to me that there's at least one guy in the church that I could beat in a 40-yard dash right now. So I'm, I'm a little, a little happy about that. But and then you, and the the date on your 80th birthday celebration is the December 9th. It's the 11th, but I'm celebrating it on Saturday. So somebody's going to work. They they they, they have a reprieve because the next day is Sunday. So December December 9th, and there's uh. A lot of a lot of great people were there. A lot of martial artists, but I, you know, I was there for the seventies. Only two fights broke out, so, so, uh, so it's pretty. It's a little bit more safe than uh, than downtown Bremerton right now. So, all right, if you open up to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two, and you know, I've got handouts uh, over there on the table that pick it up at verse thirteen, but we're still on the the older handouts, and we might get to it. So just in case we get to it early, we've got the handouts from verses 13 to the uh, rest of chapter 2. Um, but let's just, um, let's just go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we love you, Lord, but we know that uh, we don't love you enough. And we know that here in uh, America, we've been so spoiled. Christians all throughout the world are being persecuted and suffering and and um, and we we pray for them Lord we pray for them that you comfort them and they always ask not to be not to have the sufferings and persecution taken from them but that would that God would comfort them in the midst of the sufferings and so Lord the American church we have a lot of growing up to do we're so spoiled and and yet we think we get we have it bad and so I just pray Lord that um, that you would just be with us, that you would comfort us, you would strengthen us, and make us willing uh, to face the difficult times ahead. And you, you are our God, and we're your people, Lord. Lord, today everybody came here to hear your word proclaimed, your truth. And this message today is about truth. But we live in a world, in a culture of lies. We live in a culture that no longer loves truth. We live in a culture where now you can get in trouble for proclaiming the truth. But may we, either in a quiet way or a loud way, may we proclaim truth. And your son, who is truth, may we proclaim truth until your son returns in glory to take a stand upon the earth. So I pray, Lord, you would cancel the man, and that you would anoint me to proclaim your truth so that I would not lead anyone astray. Help us to test what they what is heard from this pulpit with your word and um, help us to uh, acknowledge your word as the final authority and then empower us to apply these truths to our lives so that we could build your kingdom and not our own. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. All right, so 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, remember that... Uh, Paul was telling the Thessalonians not to be deceived that the coming, the coming of the Lord and our gathering to him, the day of the Lord, the day of Christ, all at the same event, it's not going to occur until the apostasy, the falling away of the church comes first and the Antichrist is revealed and then defeated by Christ at his second coming. Uh, the Holy Spirit, is restraining him from being revealed, but the Holy Spirit will move out of the way 
and allow the Antichrist to be revealed, and then he'll be defeated by Christ at Christ's second coming. And that takes us right where to where we left off. Um, in, uh, in verse 10, and so it, it just, you know, it, in fact, just to get the context, we'll look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 uh, through 9. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, I think that's the Holy Spirit, who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. It's out of the midst it comes, is literally in the Greek. And then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all powers, signs, and lying wonders. So you have to understand that, that if a person has not trusted in Jesus for salvation, when the Antichrist comes, it's going to be incredibly difficult to resist his deception. His deception is going to be backed by supernatural works, by miraculous works. And they're coming from the evil one, from Satan, so they're going to be leading people astray. I mean, let me tell you, if you have not put all your eggs in the Jesus basket, okay, if you have not fully committed to King Jesus, when the deceiver comes to this planet Earth, you're going to fall. It's only those who know the truth that won't be vulnerable to the lies of Satan, okay? And so we have got to make that decision now. You don't, don't wait and say, yeah, well, I just want to live for myself and do things my own way, but I'll turn my life over to Jesus on my deathbed. Uh, you, you got no guarantee you're going to even die slow. Uh, just now's the day of salvation. Turn to Jesus now. But the Antichrist will be revealed and then defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ at his return. Now look at verse 10 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that he's going to reveal himself with, with all these miracles, these demonic miracles, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Okay? So the Antichrist is going to deceive many, and the unbelievers who did not receive the love of the truth, they reject the gospel and do not get saved. I remember when I debated at Princeton, after the debate was over, the guy I debated wasn't, wasn't that good of a debater, and he was, you know, finishing up his PhD at Princeton, but... He wasn't really that sharp. He was more of an atheist activist. But after the debate was over, we went to a coffee house on the Princeton campus, and they had pizza and coffee and stayed up until the late hours, and I got to talk to, like, dozens of Princeton students. And I did run across a guy who was probably a genius, an Israeli student who was majoring in physics, and he was asking me all kinds of questions about quantum physics, and I was like, Man, if I stay on this turf, this is his turf, man. He's going to blow me away, you know. I mean, I read about quantum physics, the subatomic particle movement, and Heisenberg's principle of uncertainty. But this kid was going to take me to the woodshed. I don't even know what he's talking about here, you know. And so I figured I got I to gotta shift this into a more, take it out of the realm of science into a more theoretical science, into a more of a realm of philosophy. And so I said, well, do you believe in truth? And he looked at me and he said, truth? 
And I said, yeah, truth. Things that are true for all people at all times in all places. And he said, oh, no, no, I don't believe in truth. And I said, well, why do you go, why even go to Princeton? Why do you work so hard and study if you're not learning any more truth here than you would in kindergarten? You, you're wasting your time here. Why, why would you even go here if they're not teaching you truth? And he said, because, he's, because it's exciting? And I said, no, no. I said, dude, come on. Stop playing games with me, man. If they're not, if there's no such thing as truth, Princeton has nothing to offer you. And, and, and there was like a circle of people that were asking me questions and surrounding me, and he had stepped out and started talking about quantum physics. But after I told him that, I said, you're just wasting your time here at Princeton. He just put his head down, and he moved back into the crowd. Now, a couple hours later, I was answering questions to students, but at that time, I was sitting down, and, uh, and from out in the crowd, he interrupted me. He was sitting down against the wall, and he said, I guess everybody believes in some type of God. And I look at him, I say, yeah, not everybody would agree with you, but I agree with you. And uh, the question is, though, is that the personal God of the scriptures, or is that some non-personal force? But yeah, everybody has to believe in some type of God, whether they admit it or not. And he smiled like he was proud of himself. And then he leaned back against the wall. I never heard from him again the rest of the night or the rest of my, my life. But the issue of truth, truth. You know, people, we, we live in a culture that doesn't care about truth. All they care, I'm, I'm, and I'm telling you, this is the ancient Greek philosopher, Thrasymachus. He said, if there's no such thing as right and wrong, then might is right. Whoever has the most power is just going to force their views on everybody else. Now, he was refuted by the Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, and that kind of enabled Western civilization to survive a little bit. Then the skeptics who didn't believe in truth raised their heads again, and then it took St. Augustine in 380 AD as the Christian worldview, as Christianity began to spread, he ended up refuting the skeptics. He said, you can't, if you don't believe in truth, um, the statement there is no absolute truth is a contradiction. Because if the statement there is no absolute truth is true, then it has to be false. So it's a self-refuting statement. There has to be absolute truth. And then Augustine said, skeptics cannot live consistently with their rejection of truth. They all live like they need air to breathe and food to eat and water to drink. And so they all live like things, um, like there is such a thing as true. But we live in a culture now that does not love truth. Friedrich Nietzsche, the German atheist who died in 1900, he saw the writing on the wall. He said, if God is dead, if we kick God out of Western civilization, then the whole concept of truth and morality and meaning goes out the window too. And so if God is dead, truth is dead as well. He said what we're going to need is a group, he's an atheist, a group of supermen or overmen to arrive with the courage to create their own hard values rather than the soft values of Christianity. You know, they got to play God and they're going to make up their own truth. Okay? Make up their own morality. And he said they're going to do it through their will to power. Because if reason and truth are gone, all you got left is your will and your lust for power. This is what we're seeing today. 
And it's all because our culture and many cultures throughout the world no longer love truth. We live in a culture of lies. And so when Paul tells us that in the last days, the Antichrist is going to come with unrighteous deception among those who perish, those who are going to spiritually perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So the Antichrist is going to deceive many. Now, I think there's something going on here with the word truth. Turn back to Matthew 24, where Jesus talked about the end times, the Olivet Discourse, right on the Mount of Olives. I mean, that's, that's where Jesus took off. I mean, that's where he ascended to heaven was the Mount of Olives. And when he comes back, Zechariah 14, he's coming back on the Mount of Olives. And that's when all nations um, are going to be invading Israel. So we know we have some time because I think there's like one or two nations on planet Earth that are still, still back in Israel, at least a, to a small degree. But eventually I think the UN is going to make a vote and all, all nations are going to invade Israel and then they're going to find out that there's uh, this one Jew they shouldn't mess with. You know, the old expression, uh, mess with the bull, you get the horns. You mess with King Jesus, you're going down. You're going down. Um, I mean, that's when we come to Christ. That's what happens. We realize, wow, I've been messing with King Jesus. <laughs> I need to, like, big time apologize and ask forgiveness. And I need to get with his program through the power of the Holy Spirit. But he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Well, Jesus gives us all signs that we're going to see before his return. But he tells us, but this is not the end. The end is, in, is not yet. Like verse 6, wars, rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. And then in Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus says, And this gospel of the kingdom, the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay? And again, we, we mentioned before that all the nations, you know, the gospel has been preached to what we call nations. But in the Bible, what they call nations were different people groups, usually identified by different languages. And there are some tribal peoples with their own unwritten language, oral languages, that haven't received the gospel message yet. But praise God, through computer technology, we're being able to get the, the gospel message to those people, to develop a written language for them, um, and then to translate the scriptures for them. And we're showing the old Jesus film and getting some of their people, some of, some of the local tribal peoples, to dub in the words, and they're getting the gospel of Luke. And we're, we're hitting nation after nation, okay? But the gospel will be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. So keep that in mind when it talks about the people that did not receive the love of the truth, okay? By the way, if there's no love in, your, in the truth you're proclaiming, it's not the truth. We got to speak the truth in love, okay? It's not, you know, Paul said, for the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Now, he was saying words, so he didn't, he didn't, uh, he wasn't contradicting himself. But what he's basically saying, uh, the Greek philosophers, they had words. And people could hear them, and people could ooh and ah. They had all these big fancy words and all, but they couldn't change a person's life. 
But the words of the gospel has the power to save and to transform lives, okay? And this is what the people in the last days will be rejecting. The gospel will be preached to all nations, and these are people who, guess what? The ones who fall to the Antichrist, they've rejected the truth. When you reject the truth, you're vulnerable to lies, okay? You are vulnerable to lies. Um, it's the fake news that we're getting. People don't want the truth. And look look at the Nietzsche's overmen now inventing uh, their own truth. They want transhumanism. They want to bring about what they think would be the next stage in the evolution of mankind. There's going to be machine-human hybrids who rule the planet and then the useless regular people, us, because AI is going to be doing the work for them, for these rulers, um, not us. And, um, and so you have this, this horrible world, but they're creating their own new truth now. All of a sudden, there's more than two genders? No. In the beginning, God created them male and female. Okay? We're teaching little boys. You can become a girl if you want, regardless of what your parents say. Washington State, parents can lose custody of their children if they don't go with what a child wants after being possibly encouraged by their teacher in the government-run school. Um, no, you don't. You, truth isn't something you just change. Okay? There is a God. He is the triune God of the scriptures. He is the God of truth. He is truth with a capital T. And so all other truths just flow from his nature. It's not something you can just say, well, I don't like that. I'm just going to change it. And, you know, and as we amen, praise God for amens, because then I, I feel like, okay, good. Maybe, maybe God might be speaking through this half Portuguese, half Italian guy from Jersey today. But praise God for the amens. But before we say amen, just keep in mind, we do that too. Okay? All of us have verses in the Bible we don't really like. And so he said, well, I don't really like that one. I'm going to explain it away or maybe just not read it for the next couple of years because that, that, that verse kind of convicts me. I know with me, turning the other cheek was really difficult one to deal with. It still is, at least in the realm of my mind. But, um, but whatever the case, we do that too. We like to pick and choose. And, but, but, but truth is truth, man. It's just, it's just it's there. It's hard. It's solid. You can't change it, okay? And, uh, but the gospel, the, the ultimate in truth, that which leads us to King Jesus, the true meaning of life, is to personally know Christ, to be known by him, okay? And to make him known. People are going to hear the gospel message preached, and some of them are going to say, it's not for me. Well, when you reject the truth, just like in Romans 1, when God reveals himself to us through nature, you reject the truth, you profess to be wise, but you become fools and you speculate. You try to find an alternative explanation, and next thing you know, you're proclaiming that we evolved from monkeys, okay? Um, in these last days, you know, people are going to reject that gospel when it's spread throughout the world. Many are going to come to Christ. Paul calls it the fullness of the Gentiles. When the last Gentile to get saved gets saved, 
Um, then the hardening of the hearts is going to be removed from the Jews, and they're going to cry out to Jesus. And at that point, all Israel, all the Jews that are left, are going to turn back to Jesus, Romans 11, 25 to 27. Um, but many people are going to reject the truth, reject the gospel message. You reject the truth, it makes you susceptible to lies, and these people are going to be susceptible to the lies of the evil one, the Antichrist himself. So we've got to choose the truth rather than fall for the lie. Paul calls it the lie. And so look at verses 11 and 12. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. For this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Okay. Once the gospel has been preached to all nations, Jesus said, you know, Matthew 24, 14, then the end is going to come. And, uh, you know, God, is he's going to be just removing any excuse we have. Now, there's not going to be people who worship the Antichrist at the mark of the beast and say, oh, I never heard. If I had heard the gospel, I wouldn't have turned to the Antichrist. It's like, no, you heard it. You heard it and you rejected it. And so once the gospel has been preached to all nations, God will send strong delusion we call it today fake news to those who reject the gospel. Strong delusion that um, doesn't have to be a male and a female to get married. That's a delusion. Two men getting married. You know, I, I used to perform weddings, and when I had it, well, they still do, and uh, very stressful for me because, uh, you know, I don't want to say something stupid and then have a young 23-year-old bride when she's in her 90s on her deathbed cursing me because I bombed at her wedding, biggest day of her life. So very, very stressful for memorial services are great. Everybody just treats you so, so well. You can share the gospel and they love you and everything. But weddings can be stressful for me. But, um, um, but uh, now why did I bring up the illustration of Wedding, John, bail me out on this one. What was I? What was my last point? It's going to illustrate a point. Oh, the gay, yeah, the gay marriage. The real, you realize now, this is this is the fake news we're getting. When I fill out a wedding certificate, it's no longer bride and groom. It's person A and person B. Okay, so because once you started doing. Gay weddings, once they start legalizing that, okay, um, all of a sudden I got to go to person A. I got to say, okay, well, who signed up as person A? Sometimes it's the bride, sometimes it's the groom. And then I got to say, okay, who's person B? Okay. And um, and so it's it's really, really sad. So now I'm performing, performing weddings for person A and person B now. Okay. That's fake news. That's deception. Okay. By the way, the homosexuals, as sinful as they are, uh, throughout millennia understood that marriage was between a male and a female, and they didn't want to do it. They weren't into that, and so they went into their sinful behavior, but they never called it marriage. There's a, most countries on earth probably still don't have gay marriage. 
Um, but by the way, there's a lot of African nations where they still, homosexuality is still outlawed, and they still proclaim biblical morality. Uh, but they're being bullied by the United States government. We're probably the biggest exporter of uh, immoral teachings right now, uh, bigger than any other nation I could think of. And um, um, I mean, I think China wants to take over the world and they're building a strong military, um, but they want their guys to believe their guys when they go to battle. We're trying to build a politically correct, uh, woke military, and then we're trying to force that ideology on others and say, we're not gonna give you a few billion dollars unless you get with our program. And um, believe me, the African continent is uh, much more Christian right now than, uh, than North America. And um, I think it's about 47% of Africans uh, profess uh, Christianity. And, um, but whatever the case, um, once the gospel is preached to all nations, God's going to send strong delusion, fake news to those who reject the gospel. This is why I've said time and time again, uh, the choice is, is not either God or, you know, whatever you want. The choice is either God or insanity. And we were looking at our culture, it's just going insane. Uh, so, I mean, it's kind of like, how, how, how are non-believers going to reject the Antichrist when they're so gullible that the powers that be have convinced them that there's more than two genders? If you're that gullible, what else are you going to fall for? By the way, a lot of the stuff that's being pushed on us, the people who are pushing on us, it on us probably don't even believe it. They're just seeing how much you, they can get away with. Okay? Um, so... I mean, we got it to the point where we got Americans, you just give them a little government assistance and they will vote for politicians who hate them. Okay? And um, gullible. Very naive, very gullible. But if you reject the truth, you're going to be vulnerable to lies. So the strong delusion um, that's gonna, is the, the coming of the Antichrist. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 3. We'll take verse 2 and then verse 3. 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And he explains later on, not as a thief in the night to believers. Why not? Because we know the signs of the time. Okay? Um, and we're sober. We don't sleep at others, but we watch because we we're looking at the signs. Verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6. We're looking at the signs. He says, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. So he's going to be so deceiving, people are going to think, now this guy has arrived performing miracles. Finally, we have peace and safety on the planet Earth. Let's worship this guy. He has finally brought us peace. And what we're going to end up seeing is the three and a half years before the, the return of Christ, uh, the most horrible, uh, most violent, 
most deadly three and a half years in the history of mankind. And so when you reject the truth, um, you reject the Lord Jesus, how are you going to resist the Antichrist when he's performing miracles? And he signs a peace treaty. It looks like he's going to get peace for the planet Earth. And everybody's saying, yeah, this is the guy. He's the one and all. And you're going to get an assassination attempt. He's going to die and have a supernatural demonic resurrection and then demand that he be worshipped. An image of him is going to be placed in the rebuilt temple. People are going to be required to worship him and accept the mark of the beast, the 666, on the right hand or forehead, or they can't buy or sell. It's easy for us Americans to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to stand strong and this and that. And blah, blah. You know, my, my life expectancy is like, I don't know, two, two weeks without all the, because the government regulates everything. So for all practical purposes, the water comes from the government, the heat comes from the government, the food's got to go through government regulations and all this other stuff and all. And so I'm like totally dependent on the government for so many different things. Uh, my idea of, um, of prepping, um, I got like three and a half years worth of uh, deodorant and toilet paper and toilet paper, and I'm storing that stuff, so, you know, I'll probably last, when, when this stuff comes down, I'll probably last two weeks, but people say, you know, he's dead now, but he smelled good. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but, you know, I'm a city boy. I'm, you know, closest thing to hunting I get is when I go to Safeway or Fred Myers to the frozen meat section, you know? And, um, um, it's gonna, and it's, but to not be able to buy or sell, I mean, for Americans, this is like, there's, there's lots of Christians in countries that don't even, you know, they just barter. They, they trade a few eggs um, for some wheat. What do we do here in America, man? We, without buying and selling? So it's going to be rough. But we got to decide which side we're on. Decide now. Don't wait till it's too late. They tried to, they, they tried to do this also. Got to watch what I say. I don't want another sermon canceled. But in New York, the mayor said if you didn't take a certain medical procedure, you couldn't buy or sell in any of the restaurants or the stores in New York City. Now, the people just said forget about it, and Mayor de Blasio had to drop it. But um, uh, in our state, uh, our, our governor said you couldn't teach unless you got that medical procedure. Now, they dropped that, too. But, I mean, we already talked that way. If we want people, you, you got the people who agree with me, with those in power, and the people who disagree. Let's see if we can tell. Anybody who disagrees with me, you can't even buy or sell. Okay? And, um, and of course, there's the microchip technology and all of this stuff. But God is going to say, okay, you don't want the truth? I'm going to send you strong delusion. I'm going to get out of the way. The Antichrist is going to be revealed. And if you don't, if you reject the truth, you're going to believe the lie. And, um, and so the strong delusion here is referring to the coming of the Antichrist. Everybody's going to think he's going to bring peace. And um, those who reject the gospel, the good news of salvation, will believe the lie. Is that lie the Antichrist is God? I think that's one manifestation um, of the lie. But I think actually the lie actually goes all the way back 
to the garden, okay? Um, with Genesis chapter 3. Look at Genesis 3, verses 4 and 5. Satan is speaking through the serpent. Genesis 3, 4 and 5. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. He's, den he's rejecting what God has said. God said, you eat of the forbidden fruit, you will die. Spiritually and then eventually physically. So you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. And so right there, the, the first lie is that you can disobey God and not suffer the consequences. In fact, if you disobey God, you can become like God. Okay? So the lie is kind of like that man is somehow divine. We don't have to submit to God. Uh, look at Romans chapter 1. Paul's letter to the Romans chapter 1. You know, a lot of people would say, you know, why, you know, I visited Pastor Phil's church and all they talk about is gloom and doom. We're just, we're just preaching through a survey in the Bible. But, you know, based on their estimation, I guess that's all Paul talked about with the, um, the Thessalonians, doom and gloom. But he's not because we're, we're supposed to be big boys and big girls. We're supposed to love Jesus. We're supposed to long for the blessed hope for the return of the Lord Jesus, but Jesus said it's going to get hot in the kitchen first, okay? So if you trust in Jesus, you've already won. But a lot of people would say, why are you always talking about those end-time prophecies? Excuse me, I got like over 1,900 sermons on sermon audio, and I don't know how many, maybe two or 300 maybe deal with the end-time prophecies, and that's only because God talks about it. So just keep in mind, now the Bible is actually 66 books. We'll just call for a little clarity. We'll just call it a book. Don't get mad at me. I didn't write the book. I'm just telling you by the grace of God, um, hopefully under his illumination, I'm just telling you what, the, what, what God's word means. But it, it, if you don't like the subject matter, take up your issues with God. But um, now it is a time. You know, we're in Ephesians 5. We've got to talk about having a godly family. God talks about a lot of topics, but he spends a lot of time warning us. I want you to be ready. I don't want my return to take you, to overtake you like a thief in the night. Be sober, watch the signs. And, um, and but there's going to be those when the gospel is preached, they reject it, reject the truth. And so they're going to accept the lie. They reject the truth and they embrace the lie. In Romans 1, not talking about the last times, but talking about the fact that the invisible God has revealed himself, his existence and his power through his visible creation so that mankind is without excuse. But then we suppress the truth. We profess to be wise and we make fools of ourselves and we try to come up with an alternative explanation. We'll look at verses 24 and 25. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves 
who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Again, it's the lie. And so I, I think what the lie is here is worshiping the creation or some aspect of the creation like the Antichrist or maybe yourself, worshiping the creation, not the creator. Okay? And so in the end, that's there's only, only, really only one choice that man's had to make. Throughout human history, ever since we fell in the garden, only one choice we've had to make. And it gets complicated. You've got so many different cults, so many different religions. But really, it's only been one choice. You either worship God, the truth, or you worship and embrace the lie. You worship God or you worship yourself. You worship God or you worship a demon-possessed man who promises to give you whatever your sinful heart desires. And so in the end, it's, it's like God has placed within us this thirst for him. So Jesus could call himself the living water. He quenches our thirst for God. And the bread of life, whoever comes to him will not hunger. Whoever believes in him will never thirst. God's placed in all of us a thirst for him. But because we have free will, there's also this drive for human autonomy. I want to be my own God. I want to be my own king. I don't want to bow before Jesus. And so in the end, when the gospel's preached to all nations, those who reject the truth, they're going to turn to the lie. Why should I bow before Jesus when I can bow before myself or at least bow before this Antichrist guy worship him as God, then I can buy and sell. Then I can get all the pleasures that I had. And so verse 12, that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Okay. Paul could sing praise songs in a Philippian jail. You could still have the joy of the Lord. Uh, Paul can praise God even when guys are bouncing rocks off his head, trying to stone him to death. Paul could praise God and have the joy of the Lord even when guys beat him with rods or scourged him, okay? Paul could praise God while he was shipwrecked, but I don't think he ever referred to any of that suffering and persecution as pleasurable. And so some people, when they, they're going to embrace the lie, they're going to say, no, you know what? I'd rather side with unrighteousness because I have pleasure in unrighteousness. I don't want to submit uh, to God. And so just the whole passage in Romans 1, verses 18 through 32, we're going down that road. Every culture eventually goes down that road. America's going down that road. But it's America's influential place in the thinking of Western civilization, and Western civilization rules the world. And so as America, uh, you know, we, we are basically, I, I will say this, uh, my assessment of what's going on in American politics today is that the other side, the anti-American, anti-Christian side has won. What's going on in American politics today is they're trying to decide what should we do with the losers, those who lost the culture wars. 
And do we imprison them? Do we send them to re-indoctrination camps? Do we exterminate them? All, and you might be saying, nobody's talking that way, Pastor Phil. Nobody's talking that way? Do you even read? Do you even research? I'm telling you what the movers and shakers are saying. Okay? And, um, and so right now what's going on is what do we do to the people that don't agree with us? And by the way, that's probably like half of America. So the, the next Holocaust will not be based on race. The next Holocaust will be based on ideology. If you're not politically correct, if you're not siding with the woke ideology and the new truth and the new morality and the new tolerance, if you still hold the, believe the Bible's God's word and you proclaim biblical teachings and biblical morality, uh, there's, no, there's no seat for you at the New World Order. And, um, you know, probably 90% when R Rory and I were doing our research in the 1990s, and I got a lot of information from him, from his years of research and all, but probably 90% of Christian leaders thought I was a kook in the 1990s. Now, I've got some good news. It's probably down to 70% that think I'm a kook now. So, um, but, and I get apologies every 20 or 30 years, but... Uh, I'm telling you, things are getting so bad. I don't know if anybody's going to be around to apologize. Now, King Jesus might be reigning upon the earth, and we'll have our mortal bodies, so no apologies needed at that point. But, um, but if you reject the truth, okay, you know, what if you, I mean, what if you try to train a guy how to fly a plane, and he just rejects the truth about how to fly a plane. I'm, I don't want to fly on that plane. You reject the truth, it makes you vulnerable to the lie. I think the ultimate lie is worship, worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And so the gospel will be preached to all nations. Multitudes will come to Christ. By the way, um, I think the church is growing right now faster than at any other time in history possibly even at a faster rate than it was in the book of Acts. But the people who are coming to Christ are people in Marxist or Islamic regimes, you know, communist regimes or Marxist, Marxist regimes. So they're coming to Christ, but they have no political say and they're being persecuted and all. But where you have still some political say, some freedom of speech, some freedom of religion, that's where Christianity is in decline. And, um, And, you know, Dietrich von Hildebrand, I've mentioned him numerous times, a Roman Catholic philosopher who opposed Hitler. The Nazis took over Germany. He fled to Austria. They took over Austria. He fled to Europe, other, other places in Europe. They took over Europe. He fled to America, taught, taught philosophy at Fordham until he died in the 1970s. But, um, but I wrote down in his biography, I wrote down when America falls, where are you going to go? Okay, where are you going to go? That's what I'm going to close with today before we celebrate the Lord's Supper in remembrance of King Jesus. See, but again, all the problems I'm talking about, Jesus solved them already. Through his death and resurrection, he already won. Now we've got to wait his return where he takes what is rightfully his. King David could say, the Lord said to my Lord, 
sit at my right hand until your enemies are a footstool for your feet. And so King Jesus is going to come back and make things right upon the earth. But um, well, what are you going to do about it? Okay, we got people, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to take away your heavenly rewards, but we got people in this church that have a ministry where they'll pray to people. People want prayer, they'll pray with strangers. We got people that go door to door and invite people to church, and we can see the fruit of that ministry. We got, we got, I found out we got a guy, never didn't brag or anything, that for years, COVID put a little interruption. He's been teaching inmates in the county jail. Okay? We got people that work with the Gideons getting Bibles to all people, teaching Bible studies during the week. Okay? But what are you going to do about it? If you know the truth and King Jesus and the lie is coming, what are you going to do? What role do you play in the Great Commission? Because Paul's talking about the Great Commission has been completed at this point. Jesus said, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach them all that I commanded them. And then Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. The good days and the bad days. Lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And Jesus is with us and the gospel is being spread, and multitudes of people are coming to Christ, but they're being persecuted. Look at Nigeria, with Boko Haram and other terrorist groups from the Muslims, and the world's hatred of, of the Jews and their hatred of Christians is on the rise. And so what are you going to do about it? you got to accept the truth, trust in Jesus alone for salvation, but you can't keep it to yourself. Amen. If you really know King Jesus, you like an old Cat Stevens song, the guy who ended up becoming a Muslim, but you can't keep it in, you got to let it out. An old Larry Norman song that, uh, you know, everybody making fun of him for being a Jesus freak. But then he, the, the chorus was, but here I am, still talking Jesus, still preaching Jesus, brother. Here I am. Still talking, still preaching Jesus, sister. Here I am still preaching Jesus just the same. Where are you going to be when this stuff comes down? You're going to be preaching Jesus? Some of us preach Jesus in a quiet way. God loves you. I love, I love quiet Christians. My wife's a quiet Christian. Uh, but some of us are going to preach Jesus loud. Okay? Whether you're quiet or whether you're loud, you preach Jesus. Because he is king of kings, he is lord of lords, because he is good. He created us, he is the judge, but he's also the savior, the savior of mankind. And um, every one of us here, like everybody on this planet, only one guy visited this planet that doesn't deserve hell. That was King Jesus. We all deserve the flames of hell, eternal conscious torment. And Jesus saved us. Now, if you haven't trusted in Jesus yet, do it now. As we receive the Lord's Supper and remember Jesus' body broken for us and blood shed for us, he died on the cross for our sins. He took our punishment for us. 
Then he rose from the dead to conquer death for us. Okay? His resurrection guarantees that someday we will be resurrected in the twinkling of an eye at his return where mortal bodies will put on immortality. Okay? Um, and so we celebrate that. But if you don't know Jesus yet, I strongly encourage you. In fact, I beg you. Give your life to the Lord Jesus. Trust in him alone for salvation. If not right right now, do it as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And turn your life over to King Jesus. Because, I mean, what is this all about? Paul's just, just, just telling us, you got to decide which side you're on. Are you on the side of truth? Or on you, are, are you on the side of lies? And let me tell you, 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 you're not popular. If you're on the side of, of truth, you're no longer popular in America. And this world wants to rid the earth of you. And that's exactly what God's word said is going to come down. But Jesus promised, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Trust in Jesus for salvation. Trust in Jesus for wisdom and from his word and for the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit to live the godly life and proclaim the truth, become people of the truth, not people of the lie. And, um, and this world is going to want to come down on us. But King Jesus is still on the throne. King Jesus has won the victory. And, um, and so you be all that Jesus called you to be. And, um, and no matter how bad things get, some of you are going through rough times already. Things are going to get a lot rougher. But when the bad days come, okay, you remember that he doesn't always take us out of suffering or take the suffering away, but he promises to be with us in the midst of our sufferings. And um, I hope that's good enough for you. I hope that's good enough for me because in the end, everything that we have that can be taken from us will be taken from us. The only thing that can't be taken from you, brother, the only thing that can't be taken from you, sister, is the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're complete in Christ. Jesus is enough.